we are gonna go past the discomfort. We're gonna get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so let's start talking about the power of making yourself uncomfortable on purpose and what that can do. Welcome to Metaphysics of Photography Podcast, where we discuss elevated personal branding for mystical misfits and rock stars, as in crystals. I am Adanis, also known as Ultra, your host. Let's get started. Okay, so everybody tells you do something you're afraid of, step out of your comfort zone, but it's really not that easy to do. I want to tell you a quick story about fear and how traumatic it could be but at the same time um i have this concept i was like well i think that everything has this equal opposite right pretty scientific so i mean if you can get traumatized in a second i feel like you can kind of get de-traumatized in a second as well and so um the reason i believe that is because if it goes up and it comes down there's this this equal force of of balance um of even but opposing forces, right? Like I know there's a scientific um, definition, but it just feels like if the pendulum, because I have a beautiful, amazing, gorgeous um, pendulums, a pendulum collection that I make myself, they're handcrafted and they're made with pearls. Because I use a pendulum in divination and and I love it and I watch it and I um, know what little little ones, how fast they spin, the long ones, how fast they spin, right? Like all this like slightly mathematical stuff about it. Because of the pendulum, I can see it swinging one way and swinging the other way. It never just swings one way and stays up. It always comes back down and swings and swings or it rotates, you know what I mean? Like it always is has like that equal and opposing force of swinging back and forth the ebbs and flow per se and so when we hear things like put yourself in a scary situation the reality is that we're not going to do that we're not going to do that consciously we're not going to want i mean unconsciously we're not going to do that consciously in order for you to grow is to understand the concept and what's happening to you while you are in in this uncomfortable state So the example that I want to utilize to show you how something could be really detrimental and scary, but then also healing is because I have this phobia. I hate to talk about it. I do think about it. It's been on my mind a lot lately. And one of the things I have to think about it, and it's a phobia of (sighs) reptiles. Fuck. Um, I I even hate to say it. You know what I mean? Like when you are so, have so much disdain towards something, they don't want to think about it, hear the word, the sound, like you completely want to be in a world that this thing does not exist strong really strong strong sensation a phobia is a is a fear that is to the level of panic attack right but i was uh, posting about this earlier that when you have uh, neurons that fire together they tend to wire together and sometimes the reaction that you have to something it is completely bizarre because it has nothing to do with another I was doing a little bit of like, I guess it's past life regression, but I wasn't regressing back to other past lives. I was just regressing back into my baby stage in this lifetime. And I had this vision of this reptile um, coming to me, but it was very interesting because in the vision, what I saw was a tiny, tiny baby, a little girl. So um, 
I could stand, but I wasn't walking. So in a crib that could stand, but a baby. And interestingly was that I saw this reptile as well as the vision of my mom getting abused by my biological father, like physically getting abused and pregnant, right? So I think that what happened somehow, some way, these um, really striking, crazy fights that maybe um, my mom would, would be in. And, you know, she, she, my mom has told me stories. She's like, you know, I wouldn't fight back, but she's like, but I would try to protect myself. So she would, you know, you know put her hands up and things like that as um, my biological father, who would probably be at, that, at those stages, um, super violent, also high on drugs. And my mom being um, 17 years old and him being like 25, right? Or, um, yeah, 25. At the, at the time I was born, uh, my mom was 17 and my biological father was 20, 25. So if we look back at the time of conception, she was about 16 and he was about 24. And we can see that this relationship may have not been um, something that, you know, maybe she wanted. Um, I know for a fact that sometimes you know, when you're so young, you don't, you don't know a good man from a bad man or, or anything. And I'm not saying that my mom was, um, like, wanting for a man or, or anything like that. I'm just saying that when you're, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old, now that I'm 45, it's just, it's, it's so hard to conceive the decisions that people, even 18, I was, I joined the military at 18. And I was like, now when I think of 18, I think, well, damn, the brain's not developed till 25 so these kids are making these huge decisions and getting permanently traumatized through you know being in these extreme circumstances before their brain is even developed so you take a brain that's 17 years old and you put it in the war and it fully develops as a soldier by the time it comes home it's 25 years old that is not a normal brain the latent states of the development of their brain were under extreme stress in a war and chaotic situation. Can we please acknowledge that we have to understand how this works so we can stop judging people and be like, he's an asshole, she's an asshole, and just be like, oh, okay. And you don't even have to understand people at a personal level, like, oh, poor girl was in drugs. No, you can just make the assumption and understand like, okay, given, given what I see, this, it looks like this person has some trauma, given what I know. And it's not that everybody's a freaking asshole because I cannot tell you how many people in my life pop up with a new mental disability every single day. Whether it's a personality disorder, whether it's depression, anxiety, um, whether it's just a different type of thinking. You don't know how many. So it is the norm to not have a quote-unquote normal brain but can we even give the brain any fucking credit when women up until modern times were subservient so if you were 13 years old and you were married off before your brain even developed i mean are you gonna even be able to teach your own children how to be independent that is so far removed from what you're capable and i think that if we look at these things we can give our parents and we can give the people before us so much more credit instead of trying to blame them for everything like damn mom fucked me over you know it's like uh well you know she was getting raped at 16 um that's that would change your mind you know
and um, you know let's talk about why being uncomfortable is so powerful and just to finish the story of when I was in the crib and I saw I did my past life past life regression things that I do and I saw that I might have connected this fear of reptiles with seeing the of witnessing the abuse my mom suffered and you know because maybe somehow some way these things happen simultaneously right then this really crazy connection was created between this extreme fear the fear of like instantly dying i want you to understand that a phobia is a fear of like you're going to die but it's not rational it's not like well the snake is gonna bite me and i'm gonna be poisoned and i'm gonna lose my finger and no it's like i'm gonna die right now because most of the time these phobias are developed before you even have language or understanding so it's not like a, it's not like a you know three month old baby a four month old baby can say i'm afraid that they don't have that word in their mind they don't have maybe even the capacity to to understand that word they don't have the vocal cord to express that word but yet they could feel it they can feel fear right and so sometimes when we're trying to identify the words that correlate with the feeling we can't find the word but that's because your inner child who experienced the pain did not maybe did not have language at that time so you're not going to be able to address um this type of problem like the big you know the big fears whatever that may be for you you're not going to be able to address this on a fucking journal i want to make your life easier right now um it's going to feel like it's a little bit hard but it's it is going to be an easier way you're not going to be able to journal on this because your three-month-old baby self didn't have words didn't have language didn't have understanding of communication it only had the most basic things right i think that when a baby's born they only have two fears fear of falling and the fear of loud noises well you can imagine that in a in a situation where um, a little tiny baby is watching their mother which is at that stage they're still feeling like a mother is a part of them you know there is something that children have when they're little that they don't think that the world is separate they don't even identify themselves by their name right i heard somebody say that when um when kids say something like they say tommy's toy right because parent goes no 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 this is tommy's toy here you go tommy he still doesn't even know he is tommy he goes give me tommy's toy he's still not totally he's like i think i'm tommy but this tommy has a lot of control and power so i will i will use his name and you know i won't use his name in vain tommy tommy's toy but it illustrates very simply that you there hasn't been a complete autonomy right you still there's this connection and i even believe that when the baby is when babies are just born they don't know separation between themselves and their mothers in particular so imagine that this baby who still feels connected um on a physical sense not just you know like my mom but like on a physical like my mom over there is a natural part of me like my finger would be a natural part of me right because i was inside my mom connected to her directly it, it's just such a such a weird relationship that we need to look at from the um moment of conception by the way there's a lot of psychics out here who who have many years of experience and i'm not going to claim that i know what they know and what they don't know and blah blah but you need to scrutinize what people say and make sense out of it i was following this psychic she's got over i don't know 
300,000 followers. So it, she seemed legit until she started talking yesterday about like how babies don't have a soul until they're like three three or four months that is the biggest fucking bullshit i've ever heard and i unfollow her uh, first of all you cannot make generalities like that maybe some souls didn't enter their bodies at you know three months or four months or whenever um that is it just it just wouldn't seem like every single person has like that same entry it's kind of like every single person dies in a different way you know what i mean anyways and so I heard that I immediately asked, like immediately it was like, that doesn't feel right. But I don't know all things. So of course I'm in deep connection with spirit all the time. I do my mindset and spiritual work every day because that is the most important thing. Nothing in my life is going to work unless that is working. So it is highly devotional. It's not easy, but it's what I do. And so by the time that I start playing around on the internet, some doing all this stuff, I've attuned myself to the God, what I call the God frequency pretty well. It's for, uh, the best I can do for that day, which will be different on different days depending on, on the blah, blah, blah. I do notice that I'm more psychic when I'm on my period. Let me know if that's something you've noticed as well. But I just, I just tune in and I asked, like I asked my, my spirit guides. I was like, mm, does that sound right? It was like, no. And I unfollowed. Because here's the thing. Innocently or not, it does not matter, right? My feed has to match my values because everything about my life has to enhance it and remind myself of where I'm headed. So it could be humorous, it could be innocent, it could be true, it could be false, I don't care. If there's not a, a concrete, solid truth feeling that comes to me from what I'm witnessing, I just pass it. I'm not going to say it's wrong, you know, or, or not. I'm just saying like, this doesn't feel like truth for me and I just avoid it. I, I, I feel like sometimes unfollowing people and, and unfriending people and blocking people could be quite strenuous if you come from like codependency and stuff like that, like I grew up. Because you kind of feel bad, but in reality, they don't know you and you don't know them and nobody here owes anyone anything. This is all about resonance. If somebody's not in your resonance, well, first of all, if you see their crap come up, it's because there's some type of resonance there. But you can you can consciously create your life. You can say, I don't want this in my feed and, and don't have it in your feed, right? Like you can take control of your life. Um, let's keep talking about this because we're getting really, really deep into this. Um, so when we're talking about... Um, trauma and things like that um it's really easy to tell people who may not have a phobia or who didn't experience any like you know trauma and yes everybody goes through difficult difficult things but i want to note and specify that growing up poor does not mean you were abused so sometimes we have these money coaches who are trying to give people all these um suggestions and ideas and i totally um uh, understand they they can only share on their perspective but sometimes the comparisons that we make are the things that that hinder us right like so i i've started to notice that we've kind of lumped all these things together like i grew up poor therefore i suffer therefore actually that's not necessarily true because there's many countries around the world that they've measured the sense of happiness. Uh, they, wear, they are way, way happier and they grow up very, very poor. And so, again, let's stick to, to the, as much as the truth as we can handle. And we allow ourselves for more truth to unfold in every conversation that we have here. 
And so, so to stress on the fact that growing up poor doesn't mean that you grew up traumatized or abused because there's also people who grew up with a lot of money who are um, grew up in abuse and are traumatized, right? But my curiosity was, why is it that so many women who were abused in domestic abuse relationships or um, childhood abuse, you know, neglect, um, just being criticized and, um, and then all the possibilities of, you know, horrible abuse um, of all sorts. Like, why did this childhood abuse create financial poverty, not just like, you know, negativity or, you know, maybe you don't trust people, but why does it show up? Um, in money and I know this because I have been talking to some women now one of the women's was a woman of color and she shared some of um, her past experiences and now her current money struggles another one of these women were not a woman of color she's a white woman my girl love her to death um, but she then had abuse in her childhood I was like oh okay so this is not just like the brown girl issue this is really more about abuse this is more about child abuse all right, hang on here. I have so many stories to build up to this. Okay, so now I went, I did the past life regression and I kind of got a hint that what I was really um, experiencing when I had to develop this phobia is that these neurons that fire together, wire together, and they don't make sense, right? If I tell people about my phobia, um, initially they think it's so stupid. They, you know, they actually don't even understand how hurtful it is because um, I guarantee you that most people who have a really extreme anxiety or phobia, they don't want it. So when people are just like, you know, you're so dumb for having this thing, you actually feel, it, it, it kind of solidifies this certain um, inferiority, like I am not good enough to even get rid of this phobia, right? Um, we're talking about race, my, my man is white, his entire family is white, and well, not really. We have some Pacific people from Hawaii, um, what else do we have? We've got a Puerto Rican in here now. My son is um, Puerto Rican and Indian. Um, we, you know, we mixing it up. They, there's some Filipino in there. What else do we got? You know, my my man grew up with with mothers that were like sister wives and grew up in a like uh, some weird cult. Um, there's a lot of weird diversity in that I've like come into. But I took a photo the other day and I was like, my family and everybody was white besides me. Even my son was super white. I was like, huh. I just had that moment. I was like, huh. Like, I'm so like Puerto Rican and Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican. And like, my family is white. Like, what's happening? It was, a, it was like adorable, but I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. I really do admire a lot of things about my white family. They, they set, you know, they paved the way for like, um, creating these type of um, family events where there's like dads and stepdads and exes and sister wives and this clusterfuck of people all just like coming together for as family where, you know, my family being from Puerto Rico and Christian, ugh, ugh, Christian people, swear to God, like the worst. So my family is Christian and I remember telling my sister that my ex-husband visit it and I think that the woman and I thought like I think the woman he came with is a woman he uh, had an affair with like 20 years ago right like 20 years ago that's a long time my child is 23 it's actually longer than 20 years because she was probably like one one year old so um you know 
let's say like thank god i also have healed a lot of things but it's just like not an issue anymore i have so much positive examples in my in my new family that this is all like this is amazing that we can all get along i've always wanted that um but i just remember mentioning it to my puerto rican christian sister and she was like oh i wouldn't i wouldn't like allow that i wouldn't tolerate that i was just like i think i think like she, you know they had an affair 20 years ago Interestingly enough, that when I told one of my spiritual mentors um, that was more on um, metaphysical, right? She wasn't, she grew up Christian too, but we all kind of venture out and do our own thing and find the truth, the truth that feels more true, closest to the truth that I want to, you know, that I can. But I remember her saying, well, like, don't you feel good that he had an affair, but 20 years later they found each other, so there was something there. I was like, huh, that is, I, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I wasn't, I didn't care at all. I just thought it was interesting that it's so many years later, two decades, that this, this same, this experience, this woman would be back in my life in a weird way, and I would be happy about it, and I would be okay about it. Um, nonetheless, when I told my sister, because she's my sister, um, she was like, oh, like, I wouldn't have been able to tolerate that, this and that, and in my head, I'm like, of course, the Christian, <laughs> the Christian who can't forgive. But what I want to, to know is that my white family is amazing and I love them so much, but they are white and sometimes they do things that hurt. And so I think even the other day they were here and I was like, I can't sit over there because I'm not about to get scared and I'm really trying to enjoy myself. And so, you know, like the minimizing and the, and the kind of making fun. I think that you know there's a certain toughness that you have to build up when you are when you are courageously living the life that you want you have to like let people make fun of you in a way and feel into that right because when we were children and somebody made fun of us at least for me I, I was gonna beat them up <laughs> not really but I'm, I'm pretty feisty so but the idea of like let's see how I respond to this now as an adult and being like, oh, I get where the little girl in me wants to be like, you know what, fuck off. But I also, I am a grown ass woman and I'm like, I see. I also get to nurture my own inner child. I am not somebody else's responsibility. Um, but what I'm saying is that all these opportunities for us to um, grow um, sometimes are not so blatant. And so if I've ever wanted, and I have for many years, wanted to get rid of like money issues, like the thing with the phobia, there's certain things that I'm just like, damn, I feel like I progress. And then it's not like a setback, but then it's like a stagnation. And then I'm like, What's, what am I doing? And I start freaking out about it. And then I progress, right? Like this whole weird cycle. And what I started to really dive into is like, well, if you develop a trauma, at a stage of your life, of your innocence, you had no language, you have no way of describing what you were looking at, all you had was fear. You were in your crib, minding your own business, and something scary happened, and you were like, ah! And then you see a man beating on your mom, which you think is a part of you, and then the, the little fucking thing scares you, and then you connect those things, and literally, it feels like you're about to die but you also don't know that that's the feeling i mean i'm making i'm connecting these dots now 45 years later but I, it's like but what's the fear and i was like okay let's just look at the fear what do you think it's gonna happen if you know it's not gonna physically harm you like you know like a crocodile or like 
elephant trampling you or a tiger eating you up. Like you know physically it cannot harm you. What is it that you think it's gonna happen? And what happens inside me, I had to put myself, here's, here's what I wanna talk about, going beyond the comfort. This is really where we get into the nitty gritty of the topic. What I had to do was remember that a child that didn't have the language, that all she had was a feeling, that then I had to go to the feeling to alchemize it. And everything in your body, if you have a strong fear, everything in your body is going to make you go in the opposite direction of your fear. And you cannot even help it. So fast forward 45 years of my life, I'm doing a photo shoot with an amazing girl, amazing woman. And if she hears the story, hi, she'll know exactly who it is. And we're doing a photo shoot. And she's like, oh my God, come, come over this way. Like, and I drove over to wherever she was, wherever she is. And she's like, just a beautiful mountain type of hill. And then you can oversee the water. It's gorgeous. And I was like, wow, sounds amazing. Now, in my mind, it seemed it was bare. <laughs> It wasn't covered in uh, tall grass. It was just an open field in the ocean, maybe a castle at the top. But that's not what it, um, what happened when I arrived. When I arrived, I started very quickly to start to, like as I approached the location and it looked very woodsy, like a forest, I was like, oh, I think I'm in trouble here. Holy crap. Holy crap, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Like I'm panicking and I share with my client, I was like, dude, I'm scared because of this. And you know, I had to explain it to her because here we are in a photo shoot. Now I could have, here's where I want you to, to understand that this is where you consciously go beyond your comfort. And this is a conscious choice. You are never gonna unconsciously go from your uh, you know beyond your comfort because that's what the comfort zone is it's this protection mechanism that says hey you're not gonna get out of here right here this is all you're safe your this is your comfort zone anything outside of that is danger so i could have decided to shoot at another location and i think everything in me was like yeah let's go somewhere else but i also was like i can't i can't go somewhere else i have I have to face this dude and when you understand the level of, of trauma as i'm talking about it i literally feel the exact same the exact sensations that i felt in that moment and here's another thing side note this is why when you work with deep level emotions and memory you can manifest faster because this memory that i have is easy to access all i have to do is remember that moment and Right now, that memory is neutralized. It doesn't have any power because of the work that trans transcribed after that, which I'm going to get into. So I decide, I'm just like, you know what? I can't leave for two reasons. I thought of a scenario where a major magazine like Vogue or some like crazy magazine, uh, you know, some unattainable crazy thing that I, I don't even want necessarily. I was like, imagine if Vogue reaches up to you and says, uh, we need you to go to like the jungle of Amazon to shoot. We're gonna pay you $50,000. Are you not gonna go because of this thing? And I just had to feel the feeling. 
And I didn't have to make up the feeling. I didn't have to journal about it. I didn't have to wonder, hey, inner child, can you please tell me? None of that. I was in the fucking moment. I was in the fear, sweating. And then on top of that, the shame. The pure shame of going through this in front of someone. The pure embarrassment of having to explain the situation not just the fear but now the pre thing before the fear comes the fear of telling the person for the fear that she's gonna poke fun at you and guess what she did now she didn't do it for too long she was like it's not a big deal and she wasn't bad about it she she recognized right away she was like oh shit yo this is real for you i'm like "Ah," i like literally just the feeling of everything in my body trembling have you ever felt fear like that a, a very paralyzing all-consuming fear and so when i decided i said well i'm not going to be able to alchemize this at home in my cushy little office journaling on dreams this is the type of thing that you got to face up to up until this point I haven't really found any therapies that I was like, I need therapy. You know, a lot of the stuff is, um, for now, what I found success, right, CBT, um, which about a course, haven't had time to do it because your girl's busy. But, damn, this is a good reminder. Let me write in my sober little note, CBT, bitch. Um, I also, um, you know, do a ton of energy healing around it. But I was like, damn, this feels like this is the thing you just got to go through. I, this is the thing you got to put yourself in the middle of. And you got to re-experience the fear so you can look at it and find, is there truth in here? Because the moment you don't find truth in it, it's just even though you feel the fear at the subconscious, like uh, the knee-jerk reaction, the part of you that's conscious is like, dude, why? This is ridiculous. Like, I can't live like this, right? So you start rationalizing, how do we solve this problem? Because this is absolutely insane. And so now, what I'm telling you is that this is way, way more potent and stronger than any healing modality out there. And I'm boldly saying that. Um, but it's not because you're putting yourself in the middle of the fear. You have to be able to put yourself in the fear and have these spiritual and energetic tools to alchemize that. So you do need to know what you're going to do when you're in this situation. But before I was in this situation, I remember going to um, like a museum with a friend and they had a, um, a, a, an area that was a display and had like real animals and aquariums and shit like that zoos i'm all about it i love it i'm not the type of person that loves to touch animals but i certainly love to look at them and, and, and take their photos i'm just not into touching animals i think they're dirty and gross i like to look at them and that's it i, I am a photographer indeed nonetheless um we had gone to like some museum and there was like a like a um a display for like a the rainforest well my friends reptiles amphibians all that nasty shit oh they love that they love the jungle and so as soon as i walked into the dis like the display i was like shit and i told my friend her name is zoe and i was like zoe she's like i got you that's why it's so important to have friends sometimes um they will really hold it down for you when a coach can't do it because 
A coach has an ulter ulterior motive for for helping you. A coach gets a testimonial, gets the the you know the pride of like I am so helpful. A friend don't give a fuck. A fan a friend has your back, and she understood the level of crippling fear that I was experiencing because I was like, yo, we're coming into this fucking rainforest, and mind you, I'm from Puerto Rico, and we do have a rainforest in Puerto Rico, so you know what I'm saying? Look. So I said, look. Um, there's some fuck shit's about to go down, but I'm gonna be courageous. And what I need you to do is to hold me down, hold my hand, or whatever. She's like, I got you. We walk into the display. There's plenty of things I could look at that I'm not. I don't have this knee jerk reaction fear because remember, this fear was created out of trauma, it wasn't created out of reasoning, it wasn't created out of logic, and it certainly wasn't created out of safety, right? So it's unreasonable illogical and unsafe and we get to this part where there's these huge animals i won't even tell you what they are oh it's creeping me out just to even think about it i have to do some more work and some energy work here but a lot of work is being done because i process through talking so you know you may be getting this healing um from this transmission but if you don't i am so you know the joke's on you just kidding um okay i am now approaching this like terranium type of thing this vibrium which i love that word um vibrarium but oh why do i have an accent vibrarium okay i'm gonna say terranium for now because of the accent not really working with me today okay and i see this creature and it's really big and i just feel the anxiety it starts in the solar plexus like like that weird like you know when you feel like got uh, the butterflies when you fall in love but just like that but bad <laughs> oh my god it's so funny okay i just start to feel the anxiety in my body that my armpits start to sweat and i said okay this is all i need you to do because i'm going to be doing energy work in my mind but i will have a physical reaction because of the thing and it's like all i need you to do is to I'm, I'm gonna walk like 12 inches in a row and I'm gonna approach it I'm gonna get as close as possible as I can this is again let me remind you of the topic going beyond the comfort zone now I am gonna be talking about going beyond the comfort zones and we're gonna be exploring retreats and photo shoots because they both feel to me like they're really similar um, you're going somewhere for a photo shoot you're going somewhere for a retreat um, certainly if you do a photo shoot with me it feels like a retreat because it's an all you know it's an all-inclusive experience so you do get um, certain ritualistic aspects of it I am indeed a metaphysical app metaphysician after all and interestingly enough today I was like damn am I to call myself a priestess because I have really considered I am considering doing like a Sunday service oh my god that like it's painful to even say but not in the context of church in the context of like more like a coven more like a gathering um, but um, really to establish and assert my um, my minister's license my training as a metaphysician um, right now what we are learning in school because I'm in school what I'm learning is um, pastoral pastoral is that a word like a pastor yeah pastoral psychology and things about counseling so it's very 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 interesting the metaphysical approach to um taking care of people and their needs nonetheless okay i want to talk to you about 
the power of going beyond your comfort zone when it comes to retreats and photo shoots but i need to set a powerful precedent so you understand what happens when you put yourself in the middle of it okay so i'm with my friend and we're moving 12 inches in a row towards the thing towards the thing my body's shaking i'm crying now i want you to and see in your mind the spectacle i'm a puerto rican woman about um five feet two so i'm short and skinny and cute and then i was with a european woman tall i'm 45 she's 25 <laughs> she's holding my hand and i'm crying like a maniac shaking and telling her to keep going forward it just was bizarre there's children there's parents there's families all around what the fuck are these two weirdos these two little witches doing we're doing energy work and i kept going until i couldn't i was like i can't go further i can't i get this is it i am i good <laughs> and i want you to understand the power of fear there was nothing between me and that terranium besides empty air space and the thing was completely enclosed it was never would it would be able to come out but that's not the logic that's that's the logic that's not how this works the fear has no logic so sometimes what i've noticed is with women coming up to me saying like damn i don't know why i'm suddenly unable to make the money i used to is i believe that it is because there is something so so big that happened at such an early stage that there's no words and there's no way to logically access it so what is the only other way that you can access something that is illogical right well there's two ways right in the realm of dreams dreams are not logical right in your mind in your um in your imagination but another thing that's um um, illogical whatever is put yourself in the middle of the discomfort my mind was like girl the, the part that's protecting me that i am unaware of why it has such a strong aversion that part of me is asking why in the hell are you doing this we are trying to tell you don't go that way but you're pushing us and so what happens is when you are overriding your natural knee-jerk reaction that part gets fucking stronger so the more i pushed i was like no I, every every step that I took, I did energy work. I have precise um, things that I do. They're very effective. And honestly, I discovered this um, way of alchemizing fear in a, on a roller coaster. So if you want to know more about that, uh, I would love to share that story as well. Nonetheless, as I got closer and closer and closer, there was a point where my, the fear was unbearable. And I couldn't, like the energy work I was doing got to like its limit. Because also you have to understand that what you're doing energy work here is on the mind, right? You're exerting enormous amount of energy. So there's only so much energy that you have for a certain problem without exhausting yourself completely. And so there was a point where I was like, I can't go on. And we were like, okay, that was good enough. Okay, let me tell you how catalytic that was. I come out of there and I'm instantly okay the moment I'm out of the situation. And she's like, you're good. She checks on me. I was like, you're good. Thank you. Like, that was intense. And she's like, we're good. We go. And we're having a great time. Taking photos. Doing selfies. Running around. And then we go into another exhibit. Holy motherfucking shit. This had a, another exhibit with the same fucking things that I hate. This time, they were not in a closed cage. They were in a cage that was on the floor. And it only had like a 
three foot high clear transparent like I don't know gate type of thing and they were all around the floor and while I was like I don't want to hang out here I was able to walk slow without any fear it was so powerful and this was within five minutes I'm not telling you this that I was processing this shit literally I was in the one place for like a couple minutes and then we just were doing stuff within another five minutes we we're in a different location it was in a building it wasn't like I was doing this work for 30 minutes and calling the gods and you know no quick super quick super catalytic super activating it was hard and crazy and weird I didn't understand I was like I look like the craziest person in the universe right now and part of me had to not give a fuck not care because I wanted my healing I'm telling you that if you want something you got to fight for it and this fluffy this fluffy like manifestation messages that we, we we have been getting are wrong and if anything maybe they're not wrong but they're not being taught in a way that is a way that people that can digest it and use it you know what I mean um I just gotten off the phone with um so many people who are just like what the fuck has happened um somebody told me about um you know people they've worked with that they were doing amazing and they were getting amazing results and suddenly they're not getting results anymore same person same coaching same strategy suddenly it's not getting results and i always tell people like when the same thing that you've done um stops working it's because you've capped what that can give you and here's another thing okay a, a, a spoon of like a um, humble sauce for the coaches you you may not be the coach that takes someone to the finish line you may be the coach that starts them you may be the coach right in the middle or you, you may be the coach that's you know with them long term like you may or you may not be and that is individual per client just yesterday, I was watching a show where there was a man that was teaching and was mentoring a savant pianist. And this guy couldn't see. He was blind, but he can play the most amazing music. And it's like his eyes could see. It was just extraordinary. I was in awe. And he had a, a, a teacher for 20 years. And he said the most extraordinary thing about him is not the pianist, it's the person. And he was autistic. He was blind. And you can see this 20, this teacher who spent 20 years of his life, oh my God, I just got so emotional thinking about the love between these two humans. I don't wanna, um, I don't wanna have a fake podcast. So I'm, I'm trying to allow my emotions to be real. I don't wanna have a podcast about, um, you know, welcome to the podcast, da, 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 da. While I want it to be professional, I don't think that there's a lot of value in those programs anymore. I think the value used to come from honest conversations. And that's what podcasting was, an honest conversation, you know? Nonetheless, the story continues. So can you believe in a matter of five minutes or less, I had up-leveled so much, I had cleared so much in an instant. The techniques that I use are so freaking simple. They're so easy that you'll miss it right you're so simple that you'll miss it but i couldn't believe how powerful it was even for me a crippling fear that i've had all my life so what i learned about that moment is that you have to put yourself in in the situation in the fear now as far as the the museum scenario going into that exhibit was a choice 
because I would have, I could have let my friend just go in there. It was very small. It was literally like a tiny little room. I could have let her go in there by herself. And then I was like, I'll wait for you all here. No problem. And then I wouldn't have had the trauma re-experience and I wouldn't have had the beautiful, wonderful opportunity as a mystic to heal myself. I'm promising you that if you're here to heal yourself, fucking heal yourself. Put yourself right smack in the middle of it. If you're afraid of people criticizing you and that's why you're not getting famous, look for critics. Say stupid shit that's going to get you criticized. Do it. And then feel. What is it that happens when you they get criticized? And is this, is, does it have substance? And if it's true, can you use that anger, the fear, the frustration, calamite, alchemize it into pure love? Because that's all we're ever transmuting is fear into love, fear into love, fear into love. That's the, that's the ladder that's going to take you into, you, you know, manifestation spiral upwards. That you continue to work on the fears, all the things that keep you from the thing. All right, now we're fast forwarding again. The day of the photo shoot with amazing, amazing woman. And she's like, hey, we can go somewhere else. Because, okay, now I'm bringing you back to the story where I'm about to do a photo shoot on a hill. My idea of the hill was short grass and breeze. And when I got there, it was tall grass. I'm five feet two. It was at least taller than me so six feet tall like that tall um kind of like wheat colored grass tall whatever it's called bushery and in order to get to the part of the hill that was quite beautiful with the ocean view you had to go through what looked like a fucking maze through the fucking jungle and everything in me was like what the actual fuck and this was way more activating than obviously being at an exhibit because the exhibit was enclosed and it was protected and i could have left at any time this this decision to go into this um hill and walking through this maze meant that the thing that was on the cage that i was afraid of now is outside of the cage and literally so close to me that I can't even understand. And I, I was like, no, we're doing this. And I don't even know because again, bravery, bravery and courage is not about being fearless. Like you cannot have courage and bravery without fear. And I think that sometimes we're doing ourselves in a ginormous disservice at trying to get rid of our fears. We need to alchemize the fear into love. We can't get rid of it. And I also was watching a documentary yesterday that some a little boy that he couldn't feel pain. And people are like, that's awesome. And he's like, no, because I don't feel pain. I almost bit my tongue off. I've burnt myself. I've hurt myself so bad. Sometimes we fantasize about something that we have no idea about. So these women are asking me like why is why was i making a hundred thousand dollar months and now i am just uh, and they don't know how to look they don't know where to find it they don't know how to do it they don't know how to activate it how to get rid of it because unfortunately they might have mentors who do not understand the power of a catalytic event so early in your life um there was a mentor that i used to follow and she always said things like, um, we used to have a lot of money when I was little. 
and then something happened and my parents fell into poverty and you know then I, I became like a hustler and I and I was really about being an entrepreneur and what I want you to remember about that story is that everybody thinks about when the family fell into poverty or when there was like a trauma experience already as an adult but we forget that her early childhood was in abundance so her programming was abundance and so i want to i want to i want to tell you that if you're a woman who's had a coach or a mentor or an, anyone a course and they um you find a similarity in the story you know the overcoming and all that if you come from deep trauma and some shit that is just too gnarly to talk about, that those things actually matter because they're at the subconscious level and that is where the change needs to happen. It's never at the surface. And so maybe there were some changes that had to occur, but because the programming of some of these people were, was wealth, right? It was so much easier for them to calibrate back to that. But think about it in the, in the context of the other way around. If you have like poverty, sexual abuse, or something really, really young, really, really early before you can even form language or even understand what's going on, right? You can come into money and then lose it again. And it's in the same pattern. Do you see it? Because it's all about going back to the original programming that was installed. So it is a little bit of a fucking uphill battle, even though people when you don't understand this you'll see how you'll compare yourself unfairly and it's really really unfair to your inner child to go be like her i've, I've had friends who did not grow up with poverty but uh, i mean grew up with poverty like didn't have a lot of money but they had a mother and a dad that stayed together all their lives they never got physically hit or abused or yelled at um they um didn't have a lot of money but they were all really united and so the money is not something that causes trauma the lack of money does not cause trauma money if anything just allows you to have and, and create things you know but again there's many many studies have been conducted in some of these very poor countries who have you know higher rates of happiness and same studies have studied people in the western world who have more abundance um you know five television sets three and four tvs huge houses with like 10 rooms for three people like an enormous amount of excess and because they're not in a million dollar house they feel like they're failing it's so sad that we don't give ourselves so much credit you know a girl like me shouldn't have ended up free but my freedom is it's just more important than money and i get to have the money i just i just need to do work around that for me i get to add to consciousness by doing this work for me not because i want a mansion not because i need any of those things but i want to show you how utilizing those things is extremely useful especially when you have trauma that you cannot pinpoint Needless to say, at this photo shoot with this woman, she goes, all right. And so I had a trench coat. I don't even know why I had this trench coat. I, I had a, a hoodie, I had a hat, I had like this big chunky sneakers. 
And I literally felt like I was putting on this sort of armor that I was headed into this fucking battlefield. And think about it, the battlefield is indeed the mind because these things were not gonna hurt me. They weren't even gonna get close to me. Yet, I felt like I was going into like an intense battle. Now, let me tell you who I am. I was in the military, right? I could shoot you <laughs> right in the head. Like, I was trained to, to be, to kill per se. That's what the military trains you to do. So I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm proud. I'm saying because that's the truth. So like you, you see someone who could like go into war and shoot and have the level of crippling fear that I had was just extraordinary. So as I'm going through this maze, I just say, okay, I'm not gonna look down. And I was like, girl, you're gonna have to lead me. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, no, I'm sure. Because she's also a spiritual person. So she knows exactly what I was doing. She goes, okay. And she held me down energetically so strongly and walking through that maze felt like we were walking through like a hundred years i was like are we there yet like i would not look down the tall the grass was as tall as me and in in some areas as like the the walking space was like maybe two of my bodies and i'm a thin person and it was so tight and it was so long and it was so winding and there was so many creatures everywhere it, it was just devastating to my nervous system and the powerful thing was that i had to do energy work to keep myself from because once i was in the maze and i was like kind of like halfway to one place and halfway to the other i was like either way whether you run out of here screaming or you actually go towards like the location we're shooting either way you're halfway point from you're in a halfway point so it's not like running back to the car it was closer so again, this is a my, my moment by moment conscious decision when everything in my body was like, go, leave, run, heart pumping, sweat. Just, I couldn't hear myself and I was overwhelmed by my thoughts at the same time. Very surreal experience. Extreme shit going on. Tons of adrenaline pumping my heart, pumping like, like I had ran 100 miles barefoot. Just complete and utter internal chaos and energy work energy work energy work energy work just fucking hammering it in like it was a nail and a hammer just like boom 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 i'm like this is either gonna kill me or i don't know what is gonna happen um there was at the at the trail it, it just felt like i was afraid but i was like mostly protecting my sight from seeing something I didn't want to do and I see. So I was like, if I keep my eyes up and I just focus in the back of her head, she's gonna lead the way, she's gonna guide me and I'm gonna be cool. But we did get to like close enough to an area and I'm doing, remember through this entire thing, I'm doing a photo shoot. So I have to be thinking of the photo shoot as well as, you know, lighting, technicalities, this and that and the other, as well as now I'm in this danger field right according to my unconscious mind i am very very stupid at this moment so i go and we get to this part where we're really really close to a really open area and i'm so excited like oh my god we're almost there and then this thing comes out of nowhere and it would not budge it would not move and um my friend was just like wow like get out of here and it just wouldn't move and i was like ah! and i think i don't know if i ran or like i was like let's go let's go i was like don't touch it like just that you you see where you get to the level 
where your brain, when you have overridden your brain so much for this knee-jerk reaction, it will fucking, again, homeostasis is going to be like, we need to keep you safe. So it got even more, like, the fear increased. It didn't decrease. It increased. It got worse and worse and worse. And I kept doing my energy work. At some point, I put my camera, once I have my camera in my hands, I'm really not thinking about danger. So I'm really, I mean, I was on the side of the cliff one time shooting and literally feet, feet away from, if I had the wrong step, I could just uh, fall to my death, you know, at the cliff, on the cliff of Palos Verde. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, anyways, so danger is something that becomes like, I don't know, it's like non like not an issue when I'm deep in my thing so I pulled my camera and I'm deep in my thing and we're doing and we're shooting boom 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 and I feel great and it's like cool and then she's like and I was like okay well what's the other spot is it close and she's like oh it's just a little bit this way not too far but I at this point I think she was lying to me she was like girl you gonna be fucked no matter where you go so I put on my armor again put my jacket back on my 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 backpack because I had my camera bag hats my things I everything I look like a crazy lady but here I am and again we're running through the things and then we come to this part where it's really really narrow it's as, it's as tight as probably a little bit out than my body so it's really tight and the grass is even taller and this was I stayed really close to her and I, it was just heart-wrenching and we do get to this beautiful little nook and I start shooting again but this is a little bit even more woodsy and it's not as open as the other area. This one has a canopy of trees, which makes it a beautiful, gorgeous location to shoot. And you can see the water in the background, but this was danger, danger, danger zone. I, I, I do my best. I keep doing my energy work. And at some point, the girl goes, hey, come here for a second. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to look. And I head to her and she's like, um, there was one coming at you. We did the photo shoot and it was time to leave and I had to do the same thing again. Put all the shit on, put all the armor, my emotional armor and head back. And it's quite a long journey back because it's like it, it was like whining and anything that you're afraid of doing while you're doing it. Sometimes the, the time changes, right? Because time is really plastic. And so the time I was experiencing, it could have literally been a five minute walk. And in my mind it was 30 minutes because of how I was experiencing time. Okay. Now what I noticed, that was a fuck, that was a couple of hours of doing that. That was intense. And on top of that, I had to be a good photographer, which is, you know, insane. But what I noticed the next day is that I was at a certain location and I wasn't afraid. And I was like, I'm not afraid and I just sat here and I was like how could I not be afraid of something I've been afraid for so long suddenly I'm not afraid now mind you you have to understand that when you have deep level fears it is um, layer after layer after layer so what I, I wanted you to bring you through these powerful stories to tell you that when you put yourself in smack in the discomfort you actually have more power to alchemize it because your willpower is stronger because you have to override the subconscious this is where your power, you're mm, taking over. This is my life and I'm gonna change it. This is where this is gonna serve you. 
let's get into why retreats and photo shoots. Now I put retreats and photo shoots in the same category because this is this is about getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your city, getting out of your house, getting out of the frumpy clothes you wear, um, getting out of being with your family, right? This is all things that um, the power of, of photo shoots and um, retreats can offer you because it changes everything about your life in a moment, right? It changes everything about your life in a moment and um, you can do a lot of deep level work because you are in a different state where you can uh, receive more. You're more available to changing and you're in an environment that's conductive for it, right? When you're in a retreat environment where you have other women around you, they are holding you down. I can tell you that that photo shoot that I went in with this particular client I'm talking about, I would have been able to go up that hill by myself. If I had to go up to the up the hill by myself, I would have been like, yeah, okay, we're not doing that. If she would have already been up there, I would have been like, girl, I can't go in there. I'm about to get your ass out here and we're leaving. But because I had someone, right? This is what is called the morphogenetic field. Like, you know, girl, 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 girl. I've been talking about this for a while. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The morphogenetic field makes it where we are more capable just because we are more. Because every single one of us is a walking, talking ball of energy. So imagine a room of one ball of energy. Now imagine a room with 10 balls of energy. That makes sense? You see how powerful that actually is when you understand it? And when you're putting yourself in a, an uncomfortable situation, like I put myself over and over on purpose intentionally in these uncomfortable situations, I found that I was able to um, have more success in alchemizing the fear than any anything I've ever done as far as journaling or therapy or CBT or anything. And I thought, could this be the secret? Could this be what people say, like, may you, may you do something you're afraid of every day? Could this be the secret to overcoming? It's not to figure out the fear, but to go look at it in the face and just be like, bitch, what you got? And doing it afraid. Courage requires fear. I actually had a psychic reading, oh, a human design reading, and was told that I was to, to work with fear. And I did not know that until June. Now, I had been alchemizing fear in this way, um, just my own. Like most of the processes that I use, they are a combination of things that I've picked up along the way with like things I just randomly thought about. So for example, when I started to do um, orgasmic manifesting, sex magic, um, ecstatic alchemy, um, I didn't know that existed. I actually was like afraid that I was doing something wrong. I was like, oh my God, I'm using sexual energy in magic. That's so, that's gotta be like so crazy. And then I look it up and it's a thing. So a lot of the processes that I use, even though they have been around, I have kind of innately tuned into, into them. And then I find that there is other people that have actually tuned to the same information. And it makes sense because it's a frequency and we can all acclimate to frequency. We can all get ourselves to a certain emotional state. And so, oh, what was I going with all this? So it wasn't until my reading with her that she said something specifically. She's like, I don't know what I was talking, we were talking about. It's an amazing reading. And she, um, she's like, yeah, but I see here, I don't know what, but she's like, I see here that you're, there's something that you gotta work with fear. There's something with fear that you gotta. And I was like, and instantly in that moment, I thought about the roller coaster. I thought about um, the photo shoots with the fear. I thought about my friend going to the museum. I thought about all the times that I've used actual fear, not like, 
I'm afraid I'm gonna be poor. No, fear. The real deal fear. The fear that you're gonna die. The fear that you're gonna, you know, have you ever been mugged? That fear, you're just like, this is a now or, or, or never moment. That fear is extremely powerful. I wanna tell you how they use it in magic. So we used to think that, or some people may think that sex magic was powerful because of the sex. But one of the things that people don't know is that one of the reasons why they often um, would have like, you know, a, a naked woman per se, um, the, the belief of like, you know, like the sacrifice, the sacrificial virgin, or just, you know, the woman that is going to be engaged in sexual magic. And um, she'd be the only person who's naked. And you would think that it's like a perverted sexual thing, like, ah, ha, 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 but it, it wasn't. It was to utilize the power of fear. Huh, interesting, I thought. I've read this. And I was like, interesting, that part of what was the most catalytic part of the sex magic ritual was not necessarily the sex, even though the sex is really powerful, but it's just the combination and understanding of all this power, the, all this energy. It was the idea that when someone is completely naked in front of everybody, they're vulnerable and they're exposed and there's something internal when you're so exposed that elicits a tremendous amount of fear, right? If you, if you study or follow any statistics about fears, um, the number one fear that people have is public speaking. The number two is fear of death. So someone would rather die than having to speak in public. Isn't that weird? There's nothing dangerous about speaking in public. Nonetheless, what I've shown you over and over and over through these examples in this very ranty, ranty episode is that you need to get out of your comfort zone. And if you have a serious block around whatever it may be, that you need, you're gonna have to find yourself in a situation that elicits the fear, right? So if you're having um, money issues, and you're not wanna, you don't wanna spend money, you're gonna have to go spend a big chunk of money you don't want because that's the fear. And you may think it's about the money, but it's not. If, I'm, I'm just giving to you like it's, it, uh, as I hear it. You know, obviously if you're afraid of getting your heart broken, you, you better go out there and put your, your entire heart on the table and you gotta be willing to get it broken. If not, you're not gonna find real love because real love consists in stepping out of the protection that we create within our comfort zone. So retreats like photo shoots, they immediately break you out of the habit of being yourself, out of your own home, out of your own house, out of your own clothes, your own friends. This is like an entire new world. And that's why this entire new world is more catalytic. There's, I actually read this on, on, on Facebook today. It was a, a young woman talking about how she did a photo shoot and she's like, I did something scary, the scariest thing I ever done, and it was a photo shoot. And in my head, I'm like, how interesting that for some people, a photo shoot can elicit the same amount of fear than my phobia. Now, obviously for me, a photo shoot is the most beautiful, most amazing thing you can do for yourself and for your business. And as a woman, to have a, a beautiful photo of you is it's kind of like like an heirloom that you can pass down to your children. I mean, imagine your granddaughters or your great-granddaughters looking at a gorgeous photo of you and saying like, wow, I want to be like my grandma. My grandma was the most amazing human I've ever met. My great-grandma was a historical figure. She was a legend. To leave 
such a legacy for women, for our women, for our little mini mystics. Okay, so now what's catalytic about a photo shoot and a retreat is that it's not going to elicit the same level of fear, but it is still using um, the idea of getting out of the comfort zone, right? Getting out of the comfort zone in order to um, create this environment so you can you know it's not like you're gonna um, light a spark you are the spark baby this is about adding gasoline okay retreats okay so picture this you're surrounded by a beautiful nature away from the hustle and bustle and you are disconnected from your usual routines from your distractions you change the scenery you change your routine and it is very catalytic for personal growth because if you're, especially if you're a mom, ah, man, that's so rare that you have that time for yourself. So when you step out of your comfort zone, your mind is forced to adapt to a new situation quickly, instantly. So that means that it makes you more adept to change. And when you're in a ret retreat scenario, you are probably going to something that's beautiful and comfortable and luxurious. And so now you're adapting yourself to a higher vibrational state can you see where this is extremely powerful and this leads to when you become really ad adaptable to new situations that means that it it enhances your um, creativity and your ability to solve problems now could that make you a better entrepreneur can it make you a better mystic yeah of course because everything that we do should be leading us to more expansion but you know after I've talked already for an hour i we haven't kind of asked the, the most important question like what exactly is a comfort zone so a comfort zone is a cozy place where we feel safe um where we have built routines and perhaps where is it's a familiar place and so while it's comfortable it could also be like a stagnant pond gross gucky um, it could be limiting our, our personal and professional growth because you are not having expansion, right? So important. And so retreats, um, they shake things up. They bring us into Im immersing ourselves into a completely unfamiliar experience. And primarily, these are experiences you want to have, right? You don't go to a retreat for like eating sushi if you hate sushi, right? So ultimately, you're expanding on things you want to experience. So when you are outside of your comfort zone it prompts us to um to see challenges and uncertainties in a whole new different way we are normally used to seeing changes and and shifts in our environment as negative things right that's how what the mind says but we got to give it an opportunity to see that change is good right so if i invite you to a photo shoot and then you have a horrible time then of course your mind's gonna be like oh my god okay not only do that i feel awkward and exposed and on top of that, I hate my photos, and it was a horrible experience. Nobody wants that, right? The idea is that what if you think a photo shoot's gonna be horrible and it actually becomes the most powerful thing you've ever done for yourself, at least that, that in that moment. The thing is that if you are trying to grow and increase your confidence and resiliency, you're gonna have to start to um, be more brave. And that just means that when you are more brave, right, then you're taking more risks and you're more courageous and 
in order to have courage, you're confident. And what are you confident on? You're confident that you have the internal mechanisms that can hold you, that you got your own back. That's why internal work is so important. So for me, a retreat and a photo shoot have so many like beautiful qualities that are so similar. And so let me tell you a little bit more about the photo shoot side. So, okay, you may wonder maybe sometimes um, a simple photo shoot can uh, really push us out of our comfort zone, right? Because like I said, we might have thought that it was going to be completely awful because maybe we did have an awful, I had, oh my God, I don't want to get into another story. But I did have an awful photo shoot that was so bad that it really, actually, here's what it did. I never again shot with another photographer for the rest of my life. One, and number two, it made me an amazing photographer because I never wanted anyone to feel what I felt. I felt so gross and weird and sexual and not attractive and fat. I mean, can you imagine 105 pounds and I just felt fat and gross. And the reason I know it was technical is because I am a photographer as well. So this wasn't, I, I wanted the photo shoot. I, this was going to be something that was marking, I think I was 27. I think I was like, I was like, I'm 27. This is the year. And I was really super excited. So I had positive expectations, especially because as a photography student, I was doing good work. So I expected other people to do good work, especially people in my class. But when I got the, the photos, I was highly disappointed. And, and it was like, ugh. So if a photo can do that, it can take you from having like high self-esteem and feeling really good and instantly making you feel bad. Again, it can do that on the other end. It means that you can feel amazing after a photo shoot really quickly. And, and think about a photo shoot in a, in a sense where you're getting pampered. That's another added thing that is not part of the photo shoot itself. But it's the experience where you're just like where you're getting your hair and makeup done. That pampering thing, it's like that spa. That's why a photo shoot, many people say, I'm like, damn, I feel like I just went to Paris. I feel like just went to the spa. I remember um, talking it with someone after we did the photo shoot and we did like a little, you know, my little processes. And I was like, dude, why does it feel like we've already traveled the world together? And she's like, for real. So when you are in an environment that's outside of your comfort zone and on top of that you throw support um the morphogenetic field is fucking insane and you can actually really really activate yourself in ways that you can never do on your own and you can never do like through a selfie or through ai we are really really missing out in sharing um these experiences wanting shortcuts you can want a shortcut to your photography and I'm going to promise you that you're going to miss out on the greatest opportunity. I've never met someone who's told me that a, a well done photo shoot did not change your life. And I actually had a conversation with a, a girl I was, um, you know, we were trying to talk about working together. And I remember in the consult, she was like, oh yeah, I had a photo shoot with another photographer and literally it was the best thing I ever did. I believe in photo shoots, I know what they can do. And so it was so nice to hear from a prospective client that she already highly valued and that she already knew what I knew and she already experienced it. That's why she could value it. But she would never be able to tell me about that experience, how catalytic it was, how impactful it was, if she didn't go on a damn photo shoot. You know what I'm saying? 
Now, I want to say that if you're looking for a really wonderful catalytic expansion in your business and your brand as a mystic, that obviously you can go to retreats, but a photo shoot is going to give you more of the impact that you're looking for. Why? Why? Well, because we know that at a, you know, a retreat, you may be doing practices and rituals and journaling and talking and da-da-da-da, but nothing teaches more than experience. And I can talk to you about a photo shoot all day versus you coming into a photo shoot um, because there's no way that you're going to know how this is going to change your life until you actually go through a photo shoot. Many, many, many times I visualized not being afraid. Many, many times I journal on not being afraid. But it wasn't until I actually put myself in this field smack in the middle of my fear with no alternatives. I gave myself no alter alternatives that I actually made progress, that I actually was able to get to a, the highest level of freedom, and then I had something solid, right? I said it and I will say it again, there's nothing more powerful in manifestation than proof. Once I had proof that it helped, that it worked even a little bit, it was enough for me to hammer it out and use it, use it, use it, use it, use it, use it, and use it. Got it? Okay. So why would I think that a photo shoot is more catalytic than a retreat? Well, because a photo shoot, is going to use the element of fear where a retreat is not. Hopefully, you're not a retreat experiencing fear. That would probably be the opposite. But a photo shoot will actually trigger fear because one of the things that happen in a photo shoot that pushes us out of our comfort zone, um, when you think about it, is that when you're in front of a camera, you're completely exposed. You are completely vulnerable. It's the same idea of the sex magic ritual where they have like the naked girl in front of everybody just standing there before anything even happens, allowing her to gather all this adrenaline and fear and all this chemistry that's gonna make the magic more potent. So this vulnerability is actually the gateway to self-acceptance and growth. And the thing is that I have had so many hundreds of women, if not thousands um, of photos and thousands of photos um, that they all have the same exact feeling at the end of the photo shoot, which is really powerful because they all feel different before. Some of them are excited, some of them are not. Um, but they all say the same thing. I feel amazing. I feel like I can take on the world. I feel like I deserve more money. I feel like they had actually taken everything that made them afraid, that made them vulnerable, that made them feel exposed, and they alchemized it through the photo shoot. Now, I'm gonna tell you that this doesn't necessarily happen automatically, it does sometimes, but with me, because I am a metaphysician, I actually built that into how I do a photo shoot. And so it's extremely powerful, but let's pretend that that's not the thing. I'm not trying to get you to do a photo shoot with me. I'm trying to get you to understand the power of utilizing um, something like, you know, leaving your comfort zone and doing something bold to help you alchemize what you cannot transcend through journaling and talking, you know, what, what a retreat can't do, a photo shoot can, I promise you. And if you're a mystical entrepreneur, right, listen to this, stepping in front of the camera in, instead of the lens, it forces you to embrace yourself. It forces you to look at your perceived imperfections. Here's what I've noticed. I had a client that was like, I don't like my nose. I don't like how my nose looks. Now, when you're taking selfies, that is massively distorting how you look. So you do not look like your selfies. I wanna tell you that, number one. Number two, 
after I took her photos, suddenly there's no issues with the nose. Because what happens is, what you see with your eyes, it's not exactly like what's real. When you are always looking at yourself through a selfie phone, right, through a phone, you have a camera in there that has distortion. So your brain thinks that you look like that. It's not taken into consideration the distortion. It is making your nose bigger. It is making your, your face longer. It is making certain parts wider. It is, it's doing it. It's a lens that's curved and it's thick. It's designed that way to capture as much scenery as possible. And so, but when we stop looking in the mirror so much and we're looking at ourselves through the phone, we create a false, um, what I would call um, body dysmorphia in a, in a more scientific term. But we, be, we create a false face that is not really how our face looks. And then when we have photos with a real camera that takes in um, the consideration of that distortion, it either doesn't have it or it corrects it, then we look at ourselves for how we really look and we go, holy shit, I think I'm hot as hell. What the? You know how many times I've taken a photo with my camera phone and I'm like, eh. And then I took a phone, a, a, a photo with my real, my real phone, my real, my real phone, I mean, my real camera. And I'm like, holy shit, I think I'm hot. I'm 45 years old. I took a photo months ago that I was like, girl, you should not be complaining about you, your body or anything. You are blessed. And um, that's what a camera, a photo shoot can do. It could show you what's really true. And then I will, I'll, I will work you through alchemizing that fear. Most of the people, after they um, do a photo shoot with me, they say they loved it. They instantly are like, oh my God, I loved it. I, had, I, was, I lost all the fear, all the weirdness. It was, this was fun, this was perfect. Let's do it again, like so cool. And let's not talk about the bottom line too much or maybe a little bit. Like all these women have found the courage to increase their prices, charge more, say no to shit clients right after a photo shoot. I even had a client, I was like, hey, so did you make more money? She was like, well, I mean, she didn't want to give me no credit. I don't care. But she was like, well, you mean, of course I made more money because I felt more confident. But, you know, and I was like, okay. The answer is yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's I wasn't trying to use that as a testimonial against her or anything. I needed to really know. I need to know that the work that I'm doing with you it matters to you because it matters to me. I have shot women all kinds of sizes and colors and all the beautiful variety. I'm thinking of a client I had recently and she was heavy. And um, I don't know what we were talking about, but I was like, let's let's get you let's get you some photos let's do this let's do that you know and she was like okay dude her photos came out so freaking gorgeous so gorgeous it is her profile image and you know that only that best image goes on your profile image most of the people who um i end up shooting with um switch their profile images to a photo we've done together. It makes me really proud because to me that's collaborative and it also shows like, like look, I'm, I feel so proud of how I look of this experience. So it's very, 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 very rewarding for me. So, you know, when you do a photo shoot, you are not in the same space as a retreat. Um, you are going to probably experience a lot of those things, but through, simply by alchemizing 
all the fears and weirdness that happens when you first step into the spotlight. And if you're in, you know, in the sacred fame path, one of the things you need to get used to is the spotlight. You need to get used to, to, to being the center of attention. Because if you have a powerful um, you know, mission, then the only way that you're gonna be able to help people is by getting noticed. So, you know, the, I, I get it. The process can be uncomfortable. That's the point. That's what makes it powerful. Um, especially in a world that emphasizes like these unrealistic um, beauties, uh, standard for beauties. Unrealistic beauties. <laughs> but see, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to be courageous enough to challenge the norms and embrace that vulnerability, embrace the fear, put yourself on a hill, <laughs> let yourself be seen and embark on this journey and realize that this is self-discovery, this is self-love, and this is actually gonna work with you at a level, at a very primal level that you cannot intellectualize. You're not gonna be able to tap this away. You're not gonna be able to, if it's a really strong fear, it's not gonna go away until you face it head on. And another side note that I want to let you know is that if you're struggling in one area of your life, it doesn't mean that that's where the fear started. You could be struggling with money and the fear started with relationships. But you may have some unconscious thing going on that says, listen, you can either have this amazing relationship or money. And that may be just where that little hang up but you're not gonna just be, you're not gonna be able to intellectualize it. So too bad, so sad, your coach is not gonna get you there. The only thing that's gonna get you there is for you to put yourself outside of the comfort zone. The thing is that I, there's massive, massive, massive value to both of them, to you know retreats and photo shoots. I wanted to put them together in a way that made sense because sometimes people can't justify the, um, the, they can they can see the value of photos, they can see the value of the retreat, but they cannot see the power of the work that happens in these places or the difference, you know, because the retreat has an entire thing and a photo shoot has an entire other thing. I do where you mix it up just a tiny little bit because of who I am, um, but it's an all-inclusive event. Essentially, both of these things, um, both are all-inclusive where you have this level of pampering and just being outside of your comfort zone really creates an environment for you to grow really rapidly. And the photo shoot with the added bonus is that you get to um, alchemize fear because of that extra level of vulnerability that you have to step into that is quite, quite um, overwhelming. And with a photo shoot, you will fall in love with yourself. In a retreat, chances are you discover things, but a photo shoot really is what is what I feel is the most important part. I want you to look at a photo shoot and then look and just be like, I am worth all the money, I'm worth all the time, I'm worth the marriage, I'm worth all these things. I want you to look at yourself and experience yourself as the gift, right? And a gift, you don't just take selfies and throw it in the corner, you treat it with like care and value, like a precious heirloom. In conclusion, the power of retreats and photo shoots, um, it really lies in the ability to coax you out of your comfort zone. That is really one of the most powerful things that they both offer. And these experiences can nudge us into growth, love, comfort, luxuries, friendships, um, into just a new light. It can open up a whole entire new universe for you. 
Um, and honestly, I am just so over things that are so boring and people saying the same things. I'm ready for fun. I'm ready for adventure. I'm ready to be alchemized into something that's exciting. That's why the portal, which is like a photo shoot, retreat combination, slumber party, that's why the portal is fun. For me, nothing is more more activating than having a good time and, and being really pleasure driven. And that's everything about um, everything that's going down in this space, it speaks to pleasure. Pleasure, 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 right? If you are interested in alchemizing into a higher opulence, right? Into a higher frequency of wealth, then you need to start to put yourself in, in those places and you need to feel like you belong there. Listen, that wraps this episode today, going beyond the comfort. So thanks for tuning in and exploring this incredible um, transformative power. Um, and you can use anything. I took myself to Paris for three weeks or Europe for three weeks. And it was probably one of the best things I've ever done. And I was scared out of my mind traveling alone through Europe. Anyways, until next time. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and learned something that can take you from diamond in the rough to crown jewel. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next juicy discussion, of course, about metaphysics, photography, and anything in between. Until then... Find me pretty stars. Bon voyage.